Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast and the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. I'm Ben, and usually I'm joined by my co-host and good friend Drew, but this week I'm flying solo in my bolo screaming YOLO. Drew unfortunately had to work, and so I'm filling in the entire show. Each episode we will sample beers, both local and beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or stream each episode on wannabewalkons.com. New episodes drop during the Nebraska football season every Tuesday at 11 a.m. On this week's episode, Wannabe Walk-Ons is very excited to have on the show a Nebraska legend and the man behind the craft beer blog, Joe Java Stout, Mr. Mike Meyer himself. In addition to our conversation with Mr. Meyer, we will sample beers from Papillion, Nebraska's Pint Nine Brewing Company and preview the Big Reds matchup against the Purdue Boilermakers. I'm Ben. I miss Drew. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. So we are back on track for football this weekend. After a week away, it is nice to have a game on the horizon. Now, for those of you who are new to the podcast, typically this is hosted by myself, Ben, and my co-host and good friend, Drew. For those of you who've been listening the entire time, I'm so sorry that Drew can't join us for this week. Just a little backstory on what Drew does and what he brings to this world. Drew is in charge of the food and nutrition at a rehab hospital where patients are going through physical therapy and things of that nature. It's his job to make sure that they're given the dietary and nutritional needs that their their doctors prescribe them. And when he gets called in, it's serious business to make sure that things are staying on track and that folks are being taken care of. So I look up to Drew and the amount of work and the hard work and the great work that he does in his full-time career. And I wish him the best. He wishes he could be here. He sends his apologies, but they're not needed. We want you out in the world doing your thing and, and bringing good to people. So Drew, we miss you. We look forward to having you back on next week's episode. Now, before I dive deep in with this Nebraska-Purdue matchup, I'm very excited to take you with me on my trip to Pint Nine Brewing Company in Papillion, Nebraska, where I was fortunate enough to sit down with Joe Java Stout. He is a social media influencer in the Nebraska craft beer game. He's got an incredible blog that we use as a resource on this show, and he is just an all-around awesome guy. So I invite you guys to sit back, pop open a beer, and enjoy this conversation that I had with Joe Java Stout, Mike Meyer. So we at Wannabe Walk-Ons are attacking the bye week and making the most of the extra time it affords us on the podcast. Today we are fortunate to be joined by the man behind the popular craft beer blog and social media persona, Joe Java Stout. He's a self-described drinker with a storytelling problem, Nebraska's own Mr. Mike Meyer. Mike agreed to drink some beer with me while I pestered him with questions about his experience as Nebraska's resident beer expert. Welcome, Mike. It is great to have you with us. Hey, Ben. Hey, thanks for the invite. This is awesome, uh, being able to come on the show and talk about some beer and, uh, and other things. So thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. We're big fans of yours at the podcast. We use your, po- uh, we use your social media blog uh, as a resource when we're researching beer and which beers to drink and who really lays into the community and supports on that front. So we're just, we're just so grateful that you decided to join us today. Excellent. Yeah. And thanks for uh, uh, using that. It, it's, it's fun to be able to share those stories and uh, to get a wide audience around the state to start to see all the great places we have. So yeah. thanks very much. Now, normally we would record in my unfinished basement, but since Mike is with us, we were able to leverage his clout and set up shop in Papillion's own Pint Nine Brewing Company. 
it's renewal day at Pint Nine, which is their busiest day of the year. Mike, what can you tell us about renewal day? Yeah, so uh, Pint uh, Nine does this really great mug club membership. And so they have a couple different levels. Um, and so uh, each year you can, uh, there's a, um, a year membership and there's also a lifetime membership, uh, limited lifetime membership amount of mugs that they have. But it's a really cool deal. Uh, there are so many people that I've met just as part of the, the mug club. And uh, um, each year um, you get to take your, your previous year's mug home and, and get to take some nice pictures with it then too. So Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so are you a, a annual member or are you a lifetimer? I just upped it this year to being a lifetimer. Oh, so. congratulations. Yeah, so that's so. a limited number. Do you have to, uh, like, how does that work? Do you have to basically put your name on a wait list or? Um, yeah, so they came out with just a few this year, a few spots, and they sent out a notification to the current members and uh, was lucky enough to be one of those that responded quickly enough to be on that list. So with the annual membership, are there benefits or perks other than having your own glass that come with that? Yeah, absolutely. So you get so many different like uh, free perks, like uh, different four packs as, as they come out um, each year. Uh, free beer on your birthday, which everybody oh, nice. always loves, yeah. right? And uh, a great uh, uh, end of the year uh, party that they always put on for the Mug Club members. And so that's always a lot of fun. And then what ups it from the annual membership? So the um, so from the annual membership to the lifetime, a few more perks uh, yeah, in yeah. terms of uh, like getting a little bit more extra beer. Okay. Um, uh, being able to rent, you know, some space in here at a really reasonable price. So if you want to have parties, and I know a lot of people take advantage of that, like for birthday parties or just small gatherings and things like that. So that's a lot of fun uh, what to a, be able to do that. What a great way to support a small brewery. What a great way to be a part of that brewery's community and things like that. Yeah. I can tell you right now, we're sitting in the back, the, the brewery of Pint Nine, and it is a beautiful space. It's incredibly clean. It's well laid out. I'm sitting next to some Buffalo Trace barrels, which <laughs> has me just salivating, thinking what's inside of there waiting to emerge so I can only imagine having a party back here would be yeah it would, awesome it, it would be wild and the other thing I really like uh, about here too and the other programs it's on is they do a, a pint it forward so I can I can individually say hey uh, buy Ben a pint and put your name on the board next time you come in you see your name and you can grab one or you can do it for like first responders teachers you know you just name it as a group of people too so yeah. I think that's again promoting that community and promoting absolutely that, you know. encouraging folks to come out and have a beer watch a game while you're while you're sitting here sipping they got a nice big tv above the bar they got a great great space some awesome merch mm-hmm. I saw some windbreakers out there that I'm kind of they're kind of like a, a throwback like an 80s windbreaker and I'm thinking I might have to walk home with one yeah I saw a few of those out and about yesterday so yeah they are very cool awesome now, before we chat about the beers that we have in front of us, Mike, I'm going to give our listeners an introduction to Pint Nine Brewing Company. So if everyone wants to sit back, pour themselves a pint, and listen to the history and story behind Pint Nine Brewing Company. Now, Pint Nine Brewing Company in Papillion, Nebraska, first opened its doors in June of 2017. The brewery is owned and operated by couples Jimmy and Leah Watson and Denny and Tammy Heineck. Jimmy and Denny serve as the brewery's brewmasters. Although the doors opened in 2017, Pint Nine's journey to existence traces back even further all the way to 2005. In 2005, Jimmy Watson received a Mr. Beer Kit as a gift. Jimmy was immediately hooked by the brewing process after successfully making his first beer. From that moment forward, Jimmy knew that brewing beer was in his future. Jimmy and his wife, Leah, decided that if Jimmy was going to make a run at brewing beer professionally, his best bet would be to find an education worthy of his personal standards. That desire for excellence led him to the University of California Davis Master's Brewing Program, the more challenging of the two programs UC Davis offered. Near the end of this program, Jimmy was required to take on a brewing internship. This quest led Jimmy to partnering up with Mike Hall, the brewmaster at Omaha's Upstream Brewing Company. After spending his internship with Upstream in 2009, Jimmy became the brewmaster at Lincoln's Empyrean Brewing Company. From 2010 to 2013, Jimmy led one of, the, one of Nebraska's founding fathers of beer, His drive for creating the best version of any given style led him to multiple collaborations and partnerships with other local breweries. It was on this journey that Jimmy found himself partnering with Denny Hynek, a brewer at, where else, Upstream Brewing Company. When Denny and Jimmy joined forces, a friendship, partnership, and powerhouse collaboration was born. The two decided to go into business together, and the plan for Pint Nine took shape. Once the location off Portal Road in La Vista was locked in, Pint Nine was on the final stretch to open their doors, and in June of 2017, the brewery did just that. Now, you might be wondering where Pint Nine draws their name from. Well, before there were so many great American craft breweries, craft beer fans had to get specialty beers from local bottle shops. Most of these highly prized beers come from little European cities that arrived in the U.S. in 16.9-ounce bottles. The folks behind Pint Nine referred to each bottle as a Pint Nine, and the name stuck. When it came time to start their own brewery, the name Pint Nine was a natural fit. 
I was looking for the perfect way to sum up Pint9, and their website lists their philosophy, and I think it's as good a way as any to put a bow on this introduction. Quote, At Pint9, we are committed to tradition and innovation. We stand on the tradition of brewers before us to create aroma-driven American ales and complex Belgian beers. We appreciate fine German lagers and English session ales, but we also crave the innovation of one-off batches and barrel aging. Our beers are highly fermentable and highly digestible while being scientifically sound and artfully executed. We hope you enjoy drinking our beers as much as we enjoy brewing them, and that is Pint Nine Brewing Company in Papillion, Nebraska. Now, the majority of that research for Pint Nine's introduction was pulled from Mike's website, so if you're a fan of the stories behind Nebraska's brewers and breweries, you can check out joejavastout.com for much, much more. So, Mike, is there anything that I missed out on, on Pint Nine that you want to throw in there? I know we talked about them a little bit before that introduction. Yeah, you know, what's a, what is always a great story is if you look at a lot of the breweries is these guys have, have you know, became, have worked at other breweries to get started, right? And that is part of the fellowship of all the guys and the craftsmen that are in our state. So it's a, it's a great community in terms of learning and then branching out on your own. So I think that is really cool, and you'll see that with a lot of other places too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also that Mr. Beer Kit is a common refrain too, that <laughs> yeah. everyone got their start. With that darn little beer kit. Yeah, I got one, but you know what? It didn't turn out. And I uh, said, you know what? Um, hmm. Yeah, let's, let's not try that again. Let's just go enjoy it where the places where these guys know what they're doing, and I'll enjoy it that way. So, Mike, why don't you tell us what you have in your beautiful mug, which is, I'm, I'm sure, your, your membership mug. It's this beautiful, like, ceramic, crafted mug. It's just absolutely beautiful yeah. to look at. Yeah, so this morning I'm drinking uh, the Oso Cafe. I figured, you know, early morning, uh, a nice, uh, uh, you know, coffee brown ale. Got these really nice hazelnut notes, uh, kind of creamy, really smooth. It's just, it's just a beautiful beer to all year round to enjoy. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm in front of me drinking uh, a hazy IPA. I just asked for a hazy and they delivered on that. Really nice tropical notes, really smooth. Nothing bitter, just nice, sweet, refreshing, kind of like you're drinking your cup of coffee in the morning, I'm drinking my glass of orange juice. There so you go. It's a really nice way to start the day, uh, regardless of, of what time you decide to have your first pour. That's right. Well, now I'd like to move into, Mike, letting you kind of share your story. And we've got some questions for you that we'd, we'd love to learn more about your, your whole journey. So if you don't mind just telling us a little bit more about yourself, why you decided to start blogging about Nebraska craft beer and beer in general. Yeah, so it was, uh, I always tell the story, I went back to 2015, it was uh, my first Omaha Beer Week. And so grabbed a friend and we got on the bus and uh, I th we left from Lucky Bucket that day. And uh, we had tours at uh, Infusion, you know, Bill down at Infusion, and then stopped out at uh, Script Town and they were just getting open at that point in time with John there. And then finally wrapping up the day at Upstream and uh, Dallas, he's just such a nice guy, I gave a really great you know, uh, tour too. So I come home and I'm starting to talk about this and I'm, I, I was telling my, my boys and my wife the stories and they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, you know, you know, kind of give you that. <laughs> and then, so then I'm like, I wanna do more of these tours, I gotta find out more. So then I was you know, spending more time, I did Lucky Buckets probably two or three times because every time I went through, I learned something new and just really got going into it. It was about uh, 2017 and my son goes, really dad, come on. All you do is you're talking about these all the time. You love to write. Why don't we just get it out in a, into a, a blog site, into a website, so that you can share it with other people? And I said, okay, well, show me how to get started. I know I can handle it once we get started, but I don't even know how to get started. Yeah. And so that's how it kind of started to be was because of that. It's just really I was going around telling the stories, you know, to anybody that would listen, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, you know, was able to put pen and pencil to it, so to speak. So. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's such a great way to get more out of your experience when you go to each of these breweries is finding out when they do have these tours, learning about what makes their operation unique. Just sitting down with you and talking about Pint Nine, I learned so much about you know, what they offer beyond just sitting in front of their tap room and going from there. And you said it's a great way with, with Lucky Bucket to go through and learn more and more each time you go through. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the stories, is, and, and the reason you know, some people say, well, why do you call yourself a storyteller? And it's like, well, I want to be able to really bring everything together um, in terms of that emotional connection so people understand what our brewers have had to go through and in, in to stand up one of these breweries. It's a lot of work and it's you're putting your life, you know, time savings into these and hoping that everything works out. It's as much about that as it is about the beer, right? Even more. And so when I find an area, I like to try to tie back the historical perspective or something personally that I remember of that part of the state or something in order to tie into that story. And I think, I think that's what people really, really enjoy. So one, I'll give you an example. Uh, as a kid, I used to go out to uh, 
with my dad and my uncle and cousins, and we would go out to a camp that was out by Fort McPherson National Cemetery out by, um, I think it's Brady, Nebraska, in that area. So right outside of North Platte. So when I was writing about Powell's Brewing, I, I had a paragraph about that saying as a kid, I was, you know, it was very emotional driving by a national cemetery. First of all, even as a young kid. Second, I remember the family. We had so much fun going to that camp. They would take us out on horseback riding. We just, besides the fishing, we had such a blast. So the owner's daughter reached out on my blog site and says, well, dad would have loved to have read the story. He's no longer with us. But she said, you brought back so many memories, good memories of when we did on that camp. So that's a lot of it too. You know, it's just those connections and getting to people to be able to enjoy things in, in the past or, you know, or that connection to something that they really, really love. Yeah. I think that's something that's unique about breweries is that they're not so much just a business that you go into and have a transactional experience with. There is, especially in a state like Nebraska where everything's so spread out and some of these smaller towns with these unique features to them and these unique histories to them, they also have a brewery. So it is really unique to be able to journey across a state like Nebraska and check out all these different spaces that might have these memories that you're tied to or that might be a whole new experience. Exactly. You know, and you talk about community and a kind of a gathering place, right? And so um, last time I was out at Scratch Town out in Ord, they had a community breakfast at the at the brewery and people were meeting there before going up to the park to have a kickball tournament. So just the fun things like that, right? And, yeah. you know, and everybody just getting to sit down as as we were there talking to everybody and you know, they even, hey, come, why don't you come out and, and join us? It'll be a fun afternoon, yeah. you know, type of thing. And, and it is. It's, that's a lot of it, too. It's like you said, is you feel like you can come into a brewery and strike up a conversation with anybody. That's not the normal scene if you're, like, just going into a bar or whatever, right. you know. And, and that's, that's what I really enjoy because I, I enjoy meeting new people. I enjoy seeing what they like to drink. And just it's, it's a perfect combination. It's, it's almost more so going to a museum than it is a bar, right? You're, you're going there to sample the artistry. You're going mm-hmm. there to take in. You're going there to get other people's impressions of, of what's going on. Exactly. You know, and the other thing I really enjoy about, too, that I found out early in doing this is how these breweries support the, the charities around the state. It's just phenomenal. You know, um, well, Pint 9, for example, here does a thing they call Pints for Purpose. And so there'll be a different charity each month and, you know, donations are made. And I, don't, I can't tell you how many different charities I've met becomes showing up on the last I think it's typically they were doing them on Wednesday nights I'm not sure now and just getting to meet them that way and having a new connection to other things that are going on in your area and so that's that's great and I've reached out to breweries you know so many times for different causes and they're always like yeah let's see what we can do you know and uh, that to me is awesome too yeah there's there's just a lot of a lot of excellent reasons to support local breweries and it and it it starts with beer it doesn't end with beer exactly it goes well beyond that so now you've been blogging as Joe Java Stout for over four years. How have you seen Nebraska beer change over that time? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, styles will come and go a little bit. But the biggest thing is, as, as you start to look, is there is really more, it's more about serving out of the tap room and being tighter to the community. There's your few large ones, of course, that are always going to be in the distribution game. But if you start to look at, I think the model's changing. I think there's where people are saying, I want to, I want to be known to my neighborhoods or my my small town and if i can pull in others from you know the surrounding areas it's fine but i don't need to be on a scale of the the largest craft craft beers to be successful and i think that's i think that's important because then that also just you know and that continues the growth right because if everybody had to come in and think they had to be a huge brewery then it would be difficult to keep the growth pattern going oh yeah the beers just continue every year to get better and better i mean the the styles the the lagers and ales and you know everything is each year is just amazing and it's funny is when you haven't had a certain style and all of a sudden you see three or four breweries have it and you go like now I need to go try that all three and yeah. just see how it compares, right? You know, I think of in the last few years, Mexican lagers have been big. Um, Irish red is, uh, ales have started to come back and they're really being big too. Yeah. You know, and so it's, it's those kind of things. But now you see when I start to talk to people, it's like, well, hey, let's make, let's make a, a little mini beercation. Let's make a two-day trip and we're going to hit these four breweries, you know, two on one day, two on the next day. And I think that's cool too. And yeah. you hear more and more people now traveling around the state and doing that than I had when I originally started probably back in 2017. And that's, that's another awesome way that these breweries can then support those communities, right? They make themselves a destination. And then once you're at the brewery, it's what else can you do in those towns? You mentioned a, a kickball tournament going on in the yeah. local park, or you find out these great Airbnbs that you can go travel to mm-hmm. and hang out at, or you, you find other things that happen in these communities because it's, hey, we're going to check out this brewery in a small town. 
uh, like a Hardington, for example. Big Hair Brew House was the, the first brewery that we hit up on our podcast. Each little town has so much history, and I think Hardington's a great example. Because when we got up there that day, I didn't know a lot about the town. That, that same weekend they opened across the street was the, I think it's called the Globe Chop House, mm-hmm. was having their soft opening too. And, and then down the street was another, I think the old hotel was being uh, refinished. Come to find out the guys at, at Big Hair were saying that uh, it was a couple of veterinarians in the local area. Didn't want to see that these buildings were going to be destroyed. They wanted to make sure that the city kept those because they're such, the architecture, you know, just beautiful, oh, yeah. right? yeah. And so then, then they go, yeah, and, and by the way, you can watch them on the National Geographic channel. I'm like, what? Yeah, Heartland Docks. And so they have a show. And so we actually, on our little mini beercation trip up there, we did watch a few episodes, and it's really good. So, oh, yeah. So it's like, you know, all these ties, right? It's just crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Forgive the whirring that you might be hearing in the background. Like I said, we are recording in the back of an active brewery, which doesn't get much better. I think about, man, there's some cool things we get to do because of this podcast. And one of them is hang out in the back of breweries, drinking the beer mm-hmm. fresh from the source. So now you've, you've taken and reported on breweries outside of Nebraska in addition to your journeys within the state. I actually really enjoyed your uh, blog post on your recent trip out to Decoro when you spent time at mm-hmm. Toppling Goliath and the other breweries that are out there. What have you found that makes Nebraska's breweries unique? And where do you feel like Nebraska is on par outside of, of the state? You know, I think one of the things, and, and maybe, I don't, know, I don't necessarily believe it's because you're a resident of the state, but I believe when I go into the breweries that uh, there are a lot more conversations and people are more open just to sit and, and talk. I would imagine if I traveled more around the Midwest, that would be a common theme in the Midwest, you know. I always have to go back to a reference point, and I want to say it was probably three years ago, roughly when Nebraska played Oregon, out in Oregon. I don't travel use for Oscar games, but we did this. <laughs> And we're like, it was a great trip because it was set up two days in Seattle, two days in Portland, and then the game. And so we got to visit breweries in, in Seattle and oh, yeah. Portland and stuff. Uh, the Friday night before the game on Saturday, I was, I was talking with my oldest son, and I said, you know, stuff here is, is good. You know, I enjoy it. There's a lot of history here. I said, there's nothing that I can't get back in Nebraska that's just as good. You know, sure. it was quality. And, you know, and that is the truth. I mean, you know, that people that come through, it's, it's amazing. I've talked to people from so many different states that are, while I've been visiting breweries from Southern California to, to Texas to, you know, all over the place. And they are always amazed at the quality of the beer. They, are, they, they would have never thought of Nebraska as this really, really, you know, great craft beer state. Yeah. And so, you know, when I'm on Instagram and stuff and I see people are picking up Nebraska beers because the breweries, you know, ship probably through Tavor or one of those kind of, you know, things. And they're just talking about how crazy they are about the beer, how great it is. You know, that, that's fun to see that it yeah. actually makes it out that way, too. And, you know, I always think of, uh, about a time I was at for my work. I was at, at a conference out in Seattle, and there was a gentleman from uh, Chile. And he would always come to the States. And his two things, and this is a wild combination, which he traveled for two weeks across the United States. He was looking for great hamburgers and great barley wines. Really? And you go like, well, that's interesting. And I, you know, at the time, you know, I wish he could have been able to stop through Omaha, like cross train. You talk about the barley wine scene, you know, and it's just, those are the things when you can tell people like, you like that, you have to, you have to be able to try some of it. Absolutely. And and that's a unique beer style and that's that's an acquired taste. So for him to be looking for good burgers and barley wines, that sounds like a restaurant idea in itself. Yeah, no doubt. Burgers and barley wines. (laughs) So you've collaborated with Pint Nine on Joe's Storyteller Stout Mm -hmm. and you're working on a new beer with Omaha's Site One. What can you tell us about the collaboration process when it comes to making your own beer? I got to imagine that that's like, that's got to be a highlight after getting married, having kids, that sort of thing. Like <laughs> having a beer collab is also up there. Yeah. So it's, it's fun. So my oldest son is my graphic artist and he, I, I love everything that he does. And he said, he came to me one day and he goes, dad, I'd like to see if I could do a label for a brewery. And I said, okay, well, let me go out and ask. And I think this was probably an hour after I talked to my son and came in and, 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 Jimmy James Watson, you know, uh, was out in the front. And I said, interested in having my, my son do a label? He says, well, sure, that would be great, but it's got to be a coffee stout, and you're going to have to pick the coffees, and we'll go from there on the we'll collaborate oh, on the stout. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, so that was so much fun. So it was a, not only the design process and getting everything worked out, it was learning just everything that they have to go through, too, in order to, to be able to actually get the beer ready to distribute. And so, I mean, it was the complete package from beginning to end. And, and uh, yeah, it's very fun. And so then and Jimmy goes, well, you know, what would really make this cool is if you could take it from a, to a different brewery each year and keep the storyteller theme going and a different version of the stout. And so... Site One, uh, Dave at Site One, Dave Lincoln was, was said, yeah, we'd absolutely love to do that. So I was 
couple, let's see, it was just a couple weeks ago down brewing with them, uh, Matt and Dave. And uh, yeah, this year's going to be a different twist and it should be, it should be really good. So, and it's fun. It's also, I, I like coffee too. So find another coffee shop. So like uh, this year's will also uh, highlight uh, bad seed coffee. That's right okay. down in the area. So yeah. very nice. So we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but what comes to mind when you think about how community impacts the Nebraska craft beer scene? Yeah, from, well, from the consumer side, is that what yeah, you're thinking? So yeah, so more so about that angle. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the, the thing that I think about it is, is um, if you look at the places that you go around the state, what I've noticed is as soon as a brewery gets started, a lot of other small businesses start to also seem to become and start to flourish. I, a lot of times, like I say, I always think about the coffee shops, but I think about all the other things that are going on. And then you see these these partnerships and relationships that they do something special. One of the, the one of the ones I always think about is, and I've never been it would be fun is North Loop does their popcorn days. They are they produce the most popcorn, if not in the world, I know for the United States for sure. Oh wow! So it's grown right there. Well, Scratchtown does a special popcorn beer, Ooh. so just for that festival. And so then, and I know in other areas that they do special beers just for these festivals. And, you know, it's like, to me, you start to see people, it's that gathering again and enjoying each other and then doing it for purposes, whether it's it's charity or, hey, we just want to go out and have a good time. You know, those are all the things. I think the community side of it really comes together. Yeah, that's another great way to just feel ownership over a beer too, right? Mm -hmm. Is if you're at this popcorn festival and it's like, this is our popcorn beer. I know that uh, Bottle Rocket does something similar for their 4th of July celebration. Yeah. And kind of the way they name their entire lineup of beers. Like there's just some real ownership uh, within the community of like, this is Mm -hmm. our beer. This is our place. Yeah. And, you know, people will come up with different ideas for events and which are always fun. And, you know, there's so many different ones and I was laughing about this yesterday as I saw the post. So um, First Street out in Hastings does a 0.5K run. And I said, it's my goal to train someday to be able to actually complete that run. You yeah. Know? And, uh, the, you know, the history of Hastings with Kool-Aid and stuff. So there's been years where people dress up and have outfits that look like the Kool-Aid guys from back in the day. Yeah. You know? And so it's just all that, that kind of fun stuff together that I think is really what, what makes it really fun. Yeah, it feels as though these craft breweries, they don't open up with the intent of not being a community spot. That's part of why they want to be around. Absolutely. So one of your posts this past year had me pretty damn jealous, which is you took a private flight out to western Nebraska to sample beer with the team behind local beer company. What other crazy experiences, or if you want to talk about that yeah. one itself, has, has this Joe Java Stout alter ego gotten you into? So that was probably the craziest, and, and that was fun. So um, Charlie Yen, the, the owner of the local, and, and he was just really trying to show um, you know, part of his staff what it really is like to experience and the people that run these and really get a good, again, that emotional connection, that relationship building with their, with their beers. And so you know, we went out and spent the morning, late, early afternoon with uh, Kincaider on Broken Bow. And then over to Bootleg Brewers in in Taylor, so that was a that was a really fun time and uh, getting to visit with those folks and just again talking about all the things that are going on. So that one was probably the craziest. One of the other really fun ones was doing a getting to go to Brew Day with a collaboration beer done by Five One Six Eight that you know turned into Catalyst Brewing. Yeah, it was those guys and uh, Boiler Brewing. Oh, and so wow. that was like incredible. And it was, it was like not only from just seeing the brewing process go, but just having the dynamics of two different groups and the way that they approach brewing, you know, and I learned a lot that day and, and it was a lot of fun just be, being able to hang out. So it, it is kind of fun when you are supporting this local brew community. And like for us, we're doing a podcast for you're doing a storyteller. Some of the things you just get invited into mm-hmm. and, and welcomed into, you realize there's no bad people making beer. And we've just found that, too, where guys take us, you know, we come for an hour conversation and we're there for three hours and we're getting the full tour and they're having us sample this random off stuff and they're telling us what breweries to hit up next. And it's just this whole exciting piece. Yeah. And that's the great part about and I don't know about other states, but in Nebraska, yeah, definitely, um, you know, the breweries all want everybody else to be successful and they'll tell you, you know, they'll ask you, hey, what? where have you been lately? What's going on there? And they say, you know, and they'll say the same thing. Well, if you haven't been here for a while, you got to go, you know, try these. So yeah, that's the fun part too. So what, what do you feel you have learned about craft brewers and breweries that you just didn't expect to when you first started? What's, what surprised you on this journey as Joe Java Stout? Yeah, there's a couple different things. You know, I really didn't understand how precise and how much science goes into brewing to make these beers as good as they are, you know, to make these and to perfect them. All the little tweaks that they do that makes a big difference. That was interesting. Yeah, the first time getting to see live yeast under a microscope to be able to count and say, is it 
good is it not you know still to use that was that was crazy the other thing was just um a little bit that you alluded to is all the the people that work in these breweries the brewers how passionate they are about to spending time with the people and they'll be out and walking the tap rooms and talking and people you know about what's going on and people just love that and yeah. i think that's the other thing it's like when you have a business and you get to talk to the people of that business and kind of it feels more like a friendship right yeah than just a business transaction Nothing is cooler than when you've befriended someone who is brewing in a, in a brewery and they, they go, Hold, just give me one second. And they come back with a little tiny sample and they go, mm-hmm. try this. It's a couple <laughs> weeks away, but try this. Yes. What do you, th-? you know, and, and it feels like you're in the club, even though, you know, who knows, the next guy might sit down and he might do the same thing. But it just makes you feel like you're a fan for life. Oh, absolutely. Like, I feel yep. a part of this. I got to try this before it was anything. And, yep. and now it's their most popular beer or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, the other thing I would have to say too is I didn't really realize just how much grain goes into each batch to really, mm. that was crazy too, to see what it takes. Yeah. I never really understood that part either. So that was really kind of the first time it's like, wow. Here's, here's a question for you that combines maybe the business side of beer with your experience. And after all your travels and learning so much about the craft beer market, especially in the Midwest and across the state of Nebraska, would you be more inclined to open a brewery of your own and explore the creation of different styles? Or do you think that your expertise would lend more to a tap room where you could bring in more beer and, and curate a collection for, for folks? Yeah, I'd absolutely be the second one, you know, curating that collection. And because be, I'd get the opportunity to talk to everybody and get to see what's going on and, and learn more about new things, new beers coming out. Yeah, I just, I, I'm not that creative when it comes to how, how these guys can come up with these recipes and do what they do. But being able to, you know, tell the story about how one was produced and get consumers excited about it. Yeah, I'd be all in on that. I would love to go to a brewery where every beer I get comes with a little story about that beer. Like what a fun experience that would be to sit down and yeah. take your expertise and just here's the beer and then here's how it got to your table. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, that's a that's that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. that'd be a fun way to, to drink some beer. Yeah, I, I'd happily come to your uh, your craft beer bar. <laughs> do you have a, a way that you would maybe curate that? Would you be someone who does, you know, one beer from everywhere? Or would you do like a rolling this month is, you know, coffee stouts next month is going to be, I mean, how, how would you want to see the perfect? Oh yeah, that would, that would be interesting. Wouldn't it? I, I would like to, when there are certain times of the years when everybody's doing it so that people can try them side by side, because that is always the most enlightening experience right so if you have a flight of four different let's just say ipas or some from four different places that's pretty cool to be able to do that so oh i guess that was my other moment i actually got to be a beer judge this past year at the burnt cup uh oh no kidding which was an ipa contest up in uh divots up in norfolk okay and so 15 different and there was no particular style of ipa so we ranged from black ipas all the way to your hazies and it was to sit down and try to figure out which were your favorites your three top favorites you know and so that was really interesting so what what do you hope folks take away from reading your blog and from from following you on instagram and on your social media And, and what would you say is the best compliment that a reader could give you yeah, so what I hope that they take away is, you know, some of the side stories and just the, the amount of work and passion that goes into opening a brewery and that the fact that you can go in and enjoy a beer and enjoy a conversation, you're not going to, people are not going to, you know, look at you like, why are you trying to talk to me? They're going to embrace talking and having a good time with it. So that's one of the things I hope people really understand. Um, I love telling people when they say, oh, there's no way I can drink that kind of beer. I, I, don't, I don't do IPAs or dark beers are way too heavy. Well, here, try this and then start try, you know, to explain um, why it's not heavy if it's it's all about, you know, the ABV, things by that in it. And then that last part of, well, I kind of lost train. No, that's, that's great. So what, what would be the best compliment someone could give you from reading your blog? It, it, you know, it was, it was like that lady saying that, saying if dad would have been around and he would have really enjoyed, you know, being able to have that memory that you brought back. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of just leans into everything, right? Where it's like beer is more than just a drink in a glass. It's this way of building community. It's this way of sharing stories. It's this way of, yeah, just being together and, and celebrating all that, that we can create out of nothing. And yeah, enjoying everybody's time. You know, you, you go through a year of a pandemic, and at least for me, it was really tough because I missed seeing people and really being able to sit down and just, like you say, have, have that conversation and sense of community, yeah. So now it's time for my most important question. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, or predictions? I mean, we are a football podcast, after all, for Nebraska heading into Purdue this weekend. You know, it, it's been a rough, it's been a rough year, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> So that's, I, the, that's the most down I've seen you this whole conversation. It's been a rough year. 
I've been every weekend. I've, I kept thinking this is the weekend we're going to win. And you know, the quality of football this year has been a lot better. Yeah. I watched a little bit of Purdue yesterday. They're a decent team. Yeah. I still think Nebraska, let's say 24-17. 24-17. I like that prediction. That's actually pretty darn close to what I have for my prediction. Mm-hmm. Going, I've got them at a five-point win, I think 24-19 to or something like that. So Excellent. I don't, I don't think you're that far off. Purdue does look like a pretty stout opponent. They had mm-hmm. their struggles against Wisconsin, but I think that they might be able to do a little more against Nebraska's defense. Coming off the bye, I just don't know what to expect. Yeah, I hope at, I you know I hope they get re-energized and they're ready to hit it hard because that you know when they were playing Michigan there was they they looked like the real deal they did you know just a few things here and there like you know that makes the difference between winning and losing and we're yeah. all there we all know how that goes and sometimes but but they looked like the real deal yeah awesome well Mike I want to thank you so much for taking the time to spend uh, chatting with us about uh, your your history with Nebraska craft beer the blog that you write for everyone. I just I can't thank you enough. When when we started doing this podcast and we started researching and things like that, you were an absolute inspiration on how we want to go about and focusing on community and the people and and how folks are taken care of around these breweries and how they take care of the community and the way that you write and the way that uh, folks get to experience that through your blog. I think is is just the best. And so thank you so much for doing what you do. Oh, well, this was this was so much fun. I you know I was telling everybody at work all week you know because we have a lot of Husker fans at work. I said being able to do this is just like one of those things you don't get to do very often it's like a bucket list item so thanks so much well thank you we appreciate that and uh check out mike's blog it's jojavastout.com correct i'm not as correct okay perfect yep so jojavastout.com you can also find him on instagram uh he's got a great beer feed on instagram as well so if you're ever curious what you should go out and drink you could check out that instagram feed and hit up a brewery across the state uh or go to your local uh beer purveyor and and find something there And, and mike's got some great recommendations for you so thanks again and uh yeah i'm gonna finish this beer and probably have another one. That sounds like a good plan. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. So that was such a wonderful conversation that I was able to have with Mike at Pint 9. It was the busiest I've ever seen any brewery, period. Pint 9 was having their renewal day, and it was packed wall-to-wall with folks who were enjoying beer, enjoying company, signing up for these lifetime beer memberships, having these great drinks, and just enjoying the company of others. We all know that the pandemic took a heavy toll on us, but being able to sit in a space among community members, among people who have similar interests and differing interests and points of view, that it's just good to sit and talk and have some great beer. When I walked away from the tap room, I decided to walk away with a four-pack of my own. I picked up Albatross, which is what I'm currently sipping right now. This is something that's exclusive to the Pint 9 tap room, so you need to make your way down to the tap room if you want to pick up a four-pack of this. And believe me, if you're a fan of Scottish Wee Heavy Ales, if you're a fan of whiskey or any kind of barrel-aged or any kind of heavier stout, it is the perfect weather right now for this kind of a beer. So this Scottish Wee heavy ale comes in at 8.9%. Again, this is called Albatross by Pint 9. It is full of the smoky, malty, whiskey, scotch notes that just really bring this beer to life. It's beautifully carbonated, so it's not a heavy beer that sits. It's got this really nice sparkle and crispness to it, but then you get just ran over by these rich, deep flavors. So again, if you have the opportunity to swing by Pint 9's tap room, And pick up a four-pack of this Albatross, along with many of their other awesome offerings. The Heavy that I had when I sat down with Mike Meyer. The uh, Oso Cafe, which is their coffee beer that they are known for. Any of those are a great pickup. And make sure to swing back by in the spring-summer when they release OJ's Bronco. My personal favorite of the Nebraska craft beers. It is a fantastic hazy with a little bit of lactose. Drinks like a old-school Orange Julius, which is just a refreshing summer drink, too. So... Please check out Pint 9. They do some incredible things. They're wonderfully hospitable. The entire team was so happy to have us, even though they were just being ran over by the amazing um, number of people from the community that were joining them. So, yeah, check them out. Pint 9 Brewing Company in Papillion. They're right next door to Cross Train as well, so you can make a trip out of it. Pick up an Uber. Have them drop you off at Pint 9 and Cross Train. Try some beers back and forth. Pick them up. Have you take them back home. Nice, safe day. A nice day of drinking and checking out some of Nebraska's best craft breweries. Now, before I move on to Purdue, I want to take a quick moment to talk about our show's partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. 
The craft beer industry has a $600 million impact in Nebraska alone. When you drink craft beer, you're supporting local small businesses, something that's important now more than ever. So if you're a fan of craft beer like I am, you can support the NCBG by joining the Nebraska Beer Alliance. Being a member gives you access to exclusive discounts, Nebraska beer merch, and members-only information. You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer. So it is now time to get back into thinking football. The bye week is over, and we are ready to move into our Nebraska-Purdue matchup. So for just the facts, on Saturday, October 30th, the Purdue Boilermakers travel from West Lafayette, Indiana, to Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, to take on our beloved Cornhuskers. The Huskers are currently 3-5 and five on the season and coming off a bye week, with their last game being a 30-23 loss to Minnesota on October 16th. The Boilermakers enter this game at 4-3, and three, including an impressive and dominating win against then-number-2 Iowa, but fell short this past weekend against Wisconsin. The Boilermakers are coached by Jeff Brom in his fifth season as head coach, and the game is scheduled to kick off at 2.30 p.m. on ESPN2. Now, at the time of this recording, there hasn't been a line set, but if you were to look at the projection odds, Nebraska looks to be favored, according to FPI, uh, 75% to about 25%, which has moved a little bit. Nebraska was about a 72% favorite until this past weekend. Purdue had their struggles against Wisconsin, so that leaned a little bit more into Nebraska's favor. Nebraska's coming off the bye, and it's a home game. I would guess that the line's probably going to be somewhere around a touchdown favorite, maybe a six and a half, a seven and a half if they're feeling real spicy towards Nebraska. But I'm a little bit more hesitant on that line. I would actually take Purdue with six and a half points and say that this might be a game of about five points or so. Now let's break this down section by section. First, we'll talk about special teams for Purdue. Then we'll talk about Purdue's offense against Nebraska's defense. And then we'll talk about Purdue's defense against Nebraska's offense. So let's talk about Purdue's special teams. The big thing for me is that Purdue's return game is non-threatening. It's not something that we necessarily have to be worried about because they don't have a playmaker that's receiving these kickoffs or receiving these punt returns that is going to really affect the way that Nebraska covers. As long as you're having solid coverage against Purdue, you're going to leave them with very little to do. Purdue's very smart in this. They know they don't necessarily have a playmaker back there, so they're going to take the fair catches. They're going to peter, 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 and run away from the ball when it comes over their head and make sure that they're not causing any type of havoc for their own team. And that's kind of the general takeaway is they're kicking, they're punting, their field goal unit. It's all consistent. It's all average. It's all serviceable. They're going out there. They have a job to do. Their punters hitting 40-yard punts. Their kickers hitting 40-yard field goals. Their kickoff specialist is kicking it far enough for you to take a touchback. But there's nothing that's really saying, hey, we're going to try and explode and win the game with special teams. We're just going to take that out of a way that we can lose the game. Nebraska could almost learn a lesson from that. It's just keeping that special teams at a consistent, serviceable level. That being said, Nebraska has a huge edge with Pristop. He could put Purdue in some difficult situations should the coverage team down the ball within the two or inside the five or somewhere where they're they're forced to snap the ball and have a guy standing in the end zone, either a running back or a quarterback. When we talk about Purdue's offense, we'll learn a little bit more why that could be beneficial for Nebraska. But I think Pristop's going to be a weapon in this game. What I want to see is that our coverage team is able to get down the field, cover the punt, not let those punts go into the end zone that are kind of dribbling into the five-yard, three-yard, around the one. Pristop's put a few balls in that area of the field, but we haven't been able to get the coverage team down there to down those balls. I'm hoping that's something that Nebraska worked on during the bye week, was getting that coverage team to down the ball and put the opposing offense in poor situations, give them a really long field, 95, 92 yards to go for pay dirt, and give the defense plenty of space to work to get the ball back to the offense. So take advantage of your special teams, take advantage of any situations where you have to punt, and make sure that you're downing the ball in difficult territory for the opposing offense. Again, Purdue's not going to go out and make a whole lot of mistakes on special teams, but Nebraska can take advantage of the fact that they're going to be careful and that they're going to clear out and try and down something deep, pin Purdue deep, and take advantage of that punt game, flip the field, 
and maybe expose the fact that Purdue only has an average punter who can only kick the ball about 38, 40 yards on average. If you're getting Purdue to pin themselves back and you can get a three and out or you can get them to only get one first down and they're punting then from their own 10-yard line, hey, Nebraska can take advantage of that. We can get the ball on our side of the 50 or on their side of the 50 and and punch those in and shorten the field so that we're not having to have these massive monster drives. So let's talk about Purdue's offense. How do we think that matches up against Nebraska's defense? I, for one, think that Nebraska's defense is going to make some hay in this game, that it's going to be a low-scoring game probably on both sides. I think Nebraska's offense will eke out more points than Purdue's offense. But I think there's some interesting wrinkles when it comes to how Purdue likes to play the game. So their biggest weakness, everyone knows this about Purdue this year, is that they really don't have a running back that they can tie their game to. It was very evident against Wisconsin when they would try to run the ball that it wasn't easy for them to make hay on the ground. So they took that unimpressive running back room and made it into one of their signature wrinkles for this year. Believe it or not, Purdue consistently plays three different quarterbacks in each game, each with their own sort of unique skill set. So they've got three quarterbacks. Two out of the three are running threats. Two out of the three are passing threats. They have a starting quarterback in Aiden O'Connell, who's a fifth-year senior. I think he's got a pretty impressive arm. I think he's got a quick trigger, a good football IQ. And when you give him time in the pocket, combine that with his quick release, on short slants and seams and crossing routes to receivers like David Bell and Milton Wright, I think that's when Purdue is just most effective. If they can take and find the time to hit those guys and have matchups against linebackers, they're going to get chunk yardage, 6, 7, 8, 12 yards at a time. So it's going to be really important for Nebraska's linebackers to play some sound coverage because that's where Purdue can really carve you up. Now, I really like how our cornerbacks match up against Purdue's wide receivers. We've seen all season Cam Taylor Britt, Drew, this one's for you, go out and make these big plays, these big pass breakups. We've seen guys like Dismuke and Farmer and Williams, they're stride for stride running right with these guys. And there's really no cause for concern or no reason to believe that Purdue's wide receivers are going to do anything more. You just got to make sure that your head gets turned around right at that last minute, get those pass breakups. And the way that O'Connell puts a little too much air under the ball when throwing for distance, I think there's going to be some opportunities for Nebraska's secondary to come in and pick the ball off here and there. Wisconsin was very effective on it. He started to telegraph some of his passes, and even the linebackers were able to jump the routes and pick the ball right off. So I think with Nebraska's secondary, with guys like JoJo Doman who are playing the nickel, I think that we're going to see maybe two takeaways at least from Purdue through the air. Now again, when it comes to their running back room and not really having a guy that they can rely on, they're also going to put in these quarterbacks who are going to run more of a wildcat, but they're not really wildcat quarterbacks. They're not guys who are running backs that are taking the snap. These are actual legitimate quarterbacks who just happen to have some good legs underneath them. The problem with the way that Jeff Brom likes to call those guys is he doesn't really mix in a whole lot of pass plays with his running quarterbacks. So it's pretty simple when it comes to, oh, they made a sub at quarterback, O'Connell's been taken out. You can maybe favor a little bit more to run protection and get that wrapped up pretty easily. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting myself, but Purdue and Jeff Brom do know how to play when their offense is clicking. They can hustle, they can hurry, and they can make themselves pretty hard to defend. The problem is they've had such a hard time without a running back and with the rotating in of quarterbacks that they don't find a rhythm throughout most of the game. They might have a really nice drive, a really pretty drive. And boy, have we seen that before too, where our guys can come out and have a really great drive. But occasionally Purdue will sputter out They'll make the wrong sub. They'll try and get too fancy on offense. And without a running back that can really go out and earn yards, they make themselves fairly easy to defend and pretty easy to read. The last thing to really look at is their offensive line. And if you've watched any game of Purdue's, you can see that havoc can be created in the backfield. I think this is going to be a great game for Chenander to dial up some pressure, get the crowd and the black shirts into the game early, 
and let the secondary make hay. You're going to go into man coverage in your secondary. You're going to expect your linebackers with some speed like a JoJo Doman to fall into coverage. And I mean, we've even seen guys like Valerius Payne fall back into coverage. We have the athleticism to cover their wide receivers. We have the athleticism to make the plays we need to in the secondary and at the second level. I'm looking forward to seeing our defensive line chew up this offensive line, knowing that they don't have a real running back threat who's going to burst some speed or have huge runs on us. I think that our defensive line can make some good things happen in this game, and it'll be a nice confidence boost heading into the following week matchup against Ohio State. So let's switch gears, and let's talk about Purdue's defense against Nebraska's offense, and this is the part of the game that actually concerns me, and that's because Purdue's defense succeeds when their defensive line succeeds. In all the game footage that I've watched, Purdue is in the other team's backfield. They attack quickly as a defensive line. They contain your quarterback quickly as a defensive line, and they have two solid ends in Kydron Jenkins and George Karloftis. Their line is able to just absolutely disrupt your offensive line. We all know that Nebraska has been struggling this season, getting their offensive line to gel. A few games ago, we felt like we had that figured out by bringing in Teddy Prohaska. Then Prohaska gets injured. We bring back in Bryce Benhart. And it's a matter of this offensive line just trying to gel. If you've got a team that relies on their defensive line to create havoc and they sense blood in the water, I just think Purdue's defensive line, if they're on, can really rack up some serious trouble for Nebraska. On occasion, just like any other fast and strong defensive line, their speed can be used against them if you choose to leverage it that way, if you can counter it. Plays like the option, plays like a, an option read or running the option to the outside, anything that can get the quarterback outside of the pocket, outside of that containment, can take advantage. Adrian is one of, if not the best, at escaping pressure, so I'd like to see him move up in the pocket if it starts to collapse around the edge and let him get outside and extend plays with his legs but still look downfield because I think our wide receivers match up really well with the secondary. I also feel like if Nebraska can establish a really strong run game and take that defensive line and have them think more about the running back, less about the quarterback, and try and open up that passing where they then have to respect that, you can take away Purdue's best asset as a defense. They remind me a lot of Buffalo in the sense that they take their first read, they commit to it, and that makes sense for a team that has a, a first-year defensive coordinator. They're learning how to work with each other, but they will run downhill out of play. They're very sound in the linebacking and secondary core, but I think we have the athleticism this year to take advantage of our wide receivers against their guys. So if we can have a big game out of our running backs and attack that defensive line when they're trying to attack Nebraska, take advantage of the read options and try and keep their defensive line off balance, I think Nebraska can have some success. But the offensive line for Nebraska is going to have to be stout and disciplined and give Adrian enough time to make things happen through the air when the game plan calls for it. Purdue's defense wants to get at you with their line and free up an extra defender in their secondary or in their linebacking core. So Nebraska's going to have to do their job to make sure that they're going to have to bring extra guys if they want to put pressure on Adrian. I want a really sound game from our offensive line in order for Nebraska to find success against this violent, violent defensive line in Kydron Jenkins and George Karloftis. It's now time for this week's Sportsman Sip. Before I reveal my prediction and I'll read Drew's prediction, I'd like to raise a glass to our opponents and sample a beer local to their university. This week I'm sampling a beer from Upland Brewing Company in Bloomington, Indiana. It's called Champagne Velvet. Now this is a beer with an incredible history in the state of Indiana. Check this out. In 1902, Walter Bruin, the son of a German immigrant, created a recipe for a new Pilsner beer named Champagne Velvet. Over the next 50 years, it grew to become one of Indiana's most popular beers. It's a go-to for many of the grandparents and great-grandparents in Indiana. It was known as the beer with the million-dollar flavor, which isn't just marketing fluff. It was actually insured, the recipe was, for a $1 million policy. Industrial consolidation took down this regional favorite, and the recipe went missing for many years until a fan rescued the handwritten recipe from deep in a trademark portfolio. 
Upland reformulated the recipe using that scrap of paper and proudly brings this Midwestern legend back to life. Champagne Velvet is a smooth and light pilsner, perfect for both craft beer and domestic beer drinkers alike. As a Husker fan, I can definitely respect Upland for resurrecting and keeping bygone history and tradition alive. Cheers to Upland Brewing Company and cheers to the Purdue Boilermakers. So now it's time for me to dive into my prediction, and I'm also going to share Drew's prediction. He was kind enough to send that over to me. His too early prediction at the beginning of the season was that Nebraska would walk away with a 41-24 to victory. He's changed his tune a little bit, and he sends in this. Since it's a Halloween weekend game, trick or treat, smell my feet, is there any mascot more terrifying than Purdue Pete? If there is, I don't care. Huskers by six. And I think it's a great call. I think Nebraska is going to have a close game here. And, and so my too early prediction was 32 to 19. I'm also not as high on that uh, prediction anymore. So here's, here's what I have for you guys. This is a quarter by quarter breakdown of how I think this game's going to go. First quarter, Nebraska comes out hot on defense, grabbing a first drive turnover and a quick touchdown. A missed field goal gets the ball back and the offense powers down the field and walks away with three more 10 to nothing Nebraska. The second quarter, Purdue wakes up and grabs a touchdown of their own. The Huskers get the ball in a two-minute drill situation, but Karloftis lays the smackdown on Adrian, and the clock hits zero. Nebraska goes into the half, 10-7. In the third quarter, Nebraska gets the ball to start the half. A promising drive is cut short by penalties, no doubt evidence of bi-week cobwebs. Nebraska is outside of field goal range, and a fourth down stop gives Purdue the ball back. The Boilermakers hit a deep shot to Bell, then punch in for seven. Nebraska moves downfield and Colt puts one through to put Nebraska back within one, 14-13 Purdue. Heading into the fourth quarter, the defense is juiced and put up a huge stop on Purdue. A big play in the backfield by Garrett Nelson makes Memorial Stadium deafeningly loud. Back on offense, Nebraska marches downfield until Adrian busts downfield on a 50-yard burst. A late hit sees an angry sea of red and Adrian pops back up and on an option read keeps and lowers the boom on the same late-hitting defender. Touchdown. Colt misses the extra point, and Nebraska leads by five. Purdue gets the ball back, and the defense pitches the perfect first and second down, but a miracle catch by Bell moves the ball down the field into Nebraska's territory. A quarterback rotation, and Purdue shows run. A beautiful fake, and Purdue's tight end is wide open in the end zone for six. Purdue goes for two, but is unable to convert. Purdue kicks off, and Ramir Johnson fair catches. Three minutes left, down by one, ball in the 25, and the game is in Adrian's hands. Enter Austin Allen, the bear trap. Two catches for 45 yards puts Nebraska quickly in field goal range, but there's too much clock. Two runs from Ramir kill the clock. It's third and second from the 22-yard line. Xavier Betts goes into motion. Adrian fakes the handoff and bootlegs to the right. He plants his feet and fires a bullet into Omar Manning's hands. Touchdown, Nebraska. The extra point is good. Frankie tees it up and pooches one down the field. Purdue returns the kick to their 38-yard line with 40 ticks left on the clock. O'Connell takes a couple of shots, but CTB comes down with a game-sealing interception. Adrian takes the much-earned knee as the Skurs win a close one against Purdue, 26-19. I'd like to think that Nebraska's going to run away with this one and that they're going to put up, I don't know, a 14-point spread, a 17-point spread, or maybe have a game like they had against Northwestern. But what I think would be better for Nebraska is if they have a close game that they have to learn how to win against. It's not necessarily a game where they are winning the entire time. I want to see this team figure out how to win when they're not winning. I think that's going to be the best show of growth in these last four games is how can Nebraska show that they are still in it even though they're down? How can they turn the fan base around? How can they show to the fans, hey, this isn't the same team that entered the bye week. This is the team that figured out that we aren't great when we play from behind. That when the game is in our hands and we have to go out and win the game, we haven't been good at that, but we worked on it. We're better. We're improving. We're trying to be the team that you want us to be, the team that we want to be. So I think that this game might set up for a blowout, but I also think that this game could set up for another round of disappointment where we feel like, oh, great, here we go again. Nebraska's not going to win. They're not going to pull this out at the end. But for us to see growth, they're going to have to see that they can improve upon themselves, that they can play from behind with the confidence they need to win, and that they can execute. So my dream for this team is obviously to win the last four, go 4-0, and prove everyone wrong, do it all. But my realistic hope for this team is that they can show that they've grown, 
they can show that they really are on an upward trend. And if we have another blowout win, what does that prove? That proves that we can do what we did against Northwestern, but that we can't eke them out when the game's on the line. So let's take it against this Purdue team. Let's win this one against this Purdue team. And if we have to win from behind, let's show that we're capable. And that's why I have that prediction. It's just as much what I think could happen, but what I think the team needs more than anything. The confidence to win late. And then there's Drew with his Halloween <laughs> with his Halloween rhyme. So, changing gears, before I say goodbye, I want to give you another chance to win our season-long prize package, including a game-used Nebraska football and local brewery swag. For this week's entry, email wannabewalkons at gmail.com with who you think will be Nebraska's leading tackler against Purdue. Will it be Damian Daniels, JoJo Doman, Luke Reimer, or I'm sure Drew would say Cam Taylor-Britt? Remember, only one entry per episode, and you don't have to be correct to win. If you're a new listener or haven't entered for our earlier episodes, you can do so until we give the prize away. Just make sure to include your first and last name in your email entry. And that does it for this week. I want to give a special thank you to Mike Meyer for joining us for this week's episode. You can follow and read his blog at joejavastout.com or follow him on social media at joejavastout. I also want to thank Pint 9 Brewing Company in Papillion, Nebraska for hosting me this week. You can visit Pint 9 in Papillion off Portal Road or find their beer in stores all across Nebraska. Tune in next week as we sit down and sample beers from Empyrean Brewing Company, share our thoughts on the Purdue game, and preview the, the Ohio State matchup. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Oh, oh, oh. and I promise, Drew will be back next week. Drink Big Red. Cuts!